Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shanks Show. Hour number two of our program. Welcome back. I'm Bill Shanks. Thank you very much for being with us. Time to talk college football with Brett Beard from the Bumo Bug Show starring Brett Beard on 93.9 The Score in Alabama, North Alabama, as a matter of fact. Good afternoon, Mr. Beard. How are you? He, uh, the Hoops Beard is doing okay, enjoying oh, a little college basketball. By the way, d- 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 do yourself a favor and never move. Uh, you were gracious enough to give me the, the week off last week with our award-winning segment. Um, d- d- my best advice, just never move the rest of your life. How far did you move from your former location? 60, 60 miles, and it really wasn't so much the distance. And I was, I was in a small apartment, but it is amazing at what you accumulate in seven years, as long as you've been in your house, it would take a dump truck to probably <laughs> empty everything or what you need to get rid of. But again, just do yourself a favor and just stay where you are for the rest of your life. You'd like for me to use a dump truck to get all that stuff out of that bulldog room. <laughs> it's dickerly. Listen, I'd even be glad to come over and help get rid of some of that. I bet you would. I know you would. <laughs> I know you would. Well, I'm glad you got moved, and, and uh, yeah, it's not a fun thing for sure. No. It's uh, <laughs> it's not, not fun at all, but I, I know how that is. All right, so Alabama, when are they starting spring practice? I, your brother sent some notes, and it says TBD. Is Nick ashamed a, a to – Announce when he's starting spring practice? Well, officially it is going to be March the 20th uh, to begin spring practice. You know, we're going to see the big question is going to be about Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow. He's going to play quarterback. They've got two of the freshmen. Ty Simpson. uh, Who I think are going to be good. But I've been saying all along, they've got to go back and establish the line of scrimmage. Now, they've got – they got some kids, but uh, they were able to uh, to uh, switch Kane Proctor from Iowa to Alabama. I think he's going to come in. He's got a good start to play. But, you know, again, we, but we've talked about this. Same thing, that there are 10 new offensive coordinators in the league. There are going to be a lot of quarterback battles. Yeah. Georgia's got one. Alabama's got one. But to me, they've got to go back and reestablish the dominance on the, on the line of scrimmage. Ty is the the leader in the clubhouse going in, isn't he? In your opinion, I, I think he is. Yeah, I think he is. Again, Milro, listen, you've seen this in the NFL for years. Uh, again, Milro is a dynamic athlete. Guy is now he weighs two hundred thirty pounds. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Anthony Richardson. They both are, are bet as accurate throwing the ball. But I think Ty Simpson is much more accurate. He's he's done a good job. He's been there now for a year. He's a coach's son. He's got a lot of the intangibles. He's a good-sized kid himself. But I think whenever things said and done, now he's probably not going to announce who the starter is. That's You, you and I have noticed that in the last five years. Coaches are not going to announce who a lot nah. of the starters are. For, for really, it used to be because to motivate the players, 
Now it's to keep them there. Uh, yeah, what we talked to Rodney Orr of Tider and Cider yesterday, and there's some speculation. You know, whoever loses that job may move on in May. But, I mean, you and I could say the same for half the quarterback battles oh, yeah. in the SEC. Absolutely. No no question about it. Well, yeah, they're not going to announce anything. That, that That's no. for sure. No. It's going to be – I mean, neither is Kirby. We won't find out anything yeah, until right. – Right. right before the the first game, if not when they run out on the field, uh, what you hearing from Auburn on their quarterback situation is they've already been in spring practice a little while. Well, the Freeze likes Robbie Ashford. Uh, he likes the running ability more than he do, do, does throwing. Uh, you know, again, I keep coming back to this, and this is not a knock on dual threat quarterbacks, but you and I've talked about this. For a long time, he can run, he can make plays, he can extend plays. Now, he threw a nice pass in the corner of the end zone in the Alabama game, but, it, but again, that's one of the reasons JT Finley's still there, uh, uh, Grenier is still is is there, but he likes Ashford's ability to run the ball and open up, uh, again, the offense with that. But he's just got to improve his passing. And I still think that they may go in the portal. Several of the Auburn beat writers have mentioned to us. In fact, they're off this week. They've got spring break at Auburn, but they've had, they, they've had three practices. He's installed Jason Caldwell of inside the Auburn Tigers. Told us today he's installed about 20% of the offense. He likes Ashford's legs. If he can teach him how to throw the ball. But he's another one again. If he sees that Ashford, uh, he just can't improve the passing, they may go in the portal again and may bring somebody in. If nothing else, is a more competent backup. Now, Finley's got the experience, and he's had some good games, but it's the same thing. It's just the consistency, and Finley just hasn't been able to show that. Finley would seem like the perfect backup quarterback because he's obviously not going yeah, anywhere. He's not going to win a starting job. Brett Beard, our guest, at Brett Beard on Twitter. Hey, you, you mentioned Richardson a few moments ago. I mean, I know you're going to be jonesing for your boy Bryce Young to be the number one pick mm-hmm. in the draft. It, it's uh, amazed us that Anthony Richardson is getting the love that he's getting even after the combine. Are you buying it? Listen, again, I I go back to Milrow. Uh, He's a dynamic athlete. He can run. Uh, Again, you see a lot of stars in the combine, but I still go back and say, well, what you and I said is the the proof is in the pudding. Go back and look at two years of tape. Now, whatever you think of Dan Mullen, and a lot of people don't, but Mullen knows talent at quarterback. And uh, Richardson can run. He can break tackles. Now, again, against Tennessee, he looked pretty good. And against some games, but it's just the consistency. Uh, Again, he has thrown, and Brother Brent has mentioned this on Mondays on your show, he had some horrible interception in in his career at Florida, and particularly two or three in the red zone that really turned uh, games if he's in the right system in the NFL and they're patient with him in two or three years, but but still, you've got to be able to read defenses. You've got to to, to throw the ball accurately, uh, and he's just not there yet. 
again, I know people have asked, well, can you put him at slot receiver or somewhere? But he, in his mind, he wants to be a quarterback. Am I sold on him? No. I, I mean, again, he, he really showed out. He's a he's, he's huge kid who can run and do some things, but he's got to improve his accuracy and his passing much more. Uh, you know, can he be a competent backup in the NFL and have some highlights? I don't think there's any question about that, but can he lead a team to the Super Bowl? My answer to that right now is no. Well, but, you know, you, you think about what the four top quarterbacks did against the two-time defending champion Georgia Bulldogs defense, which you may know mm-hmm. uh, is right. a pretty was a pretty good defense it, it, the last it, two yes. years. Yes, it was. And uh, Will Levis did nothing. I know. Anthony Richardson did nothing. Bryce Young was good in one of the two games that he was in. And C.J. Stroud was really good in the one game, at least yeah. for two and a half quarters. Right. So it's like, how am I supposed to feel that Will Levis and Anthony Richardson are on par with Stroud and Bryce Young, even though Bryce Young is like Gary Coleman's height? Uh, they're not. Uh, again, uh, I just go back and look at their four games in spots. He's going to be good. Uh, and again, uh, my, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett, I, I thought did very well in the combine. I keep telling you, I've been, I've been on this show for years telling you, even though you, some of your derogatory comments years ago that he had a future now. It may be in the third or fourth round. We'll see where that goes. No, for a while I had. Proved, a, I th- for a while I thought he had a future at State Farm. Well, well, it, according to you, that's where he was going. And particularly two years ago, after the throttling by Alabama and Tuscaloosa, some year Gary Coleman comments, but he looked pretty good in the combine. <laughs> but no, no, you're right. Uh, again, young, being able to glide in the pocket, extend plays, and just make. Decisions that so much of this game is mental, and particularly when you get in the NFL. Listen, you're going every week, and I know it's a lot of it is in college, but when you're in the NFL, you're going every week against defensive coordinators who have been in that we in that league for ten to twenty to thirty years. Yeah. They know how to put pressure on quarterbacks. They know how to get to them. They know how to double. They know how to disguise coverages, and it's just going to be a lot tougher for those guys in the NFL. Brett Beard, our guest, talking college football. And, yeah, Stetson was so good at the combine that I think Bryce was afraid to throw. <laughs> I don't think there's any question about it. That that had something to do with it. He's going to leave the throwing physical part of it for the Alabama Pro Day, okay. which I believe is going to be March 23rd. All right, yeah, we'll we'll see how how they do in their pro days. It's going to be fun to watch these quarterbacks. We we were talking it yesterday. Is. Boy, you you want to talk about a roll of the dice? I mean, you know, look at Mac. You know, Mac. Uh, I hope he's given more time in New England, but who knows? He was the fifteenth pick in the draft a couple of years ago. Uh, obviously, if the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, Zach Wilson's gone. That that two year experiment didn't work, right. and he was the Second pick in the draft, and two years ago, people were going nuts over him. Trey Lance was someone people were going nuts over. I mean, these quarterbacks, it's just a crapshoot, isn't it? Well, it is, but but I keep going back. I know a lot. I know Levis 
uh, and Richardson have all the physical tools, but uh, listen, you see the NFL game, or you're closer to it than I, than, even than I am. It's the mental part. It's above the shoulders. Yeah. Is what these guys are looking at. And again, I think Richardson, uh, you know, and Levis, uh, and Levis, uh, I can count on two fingers how many great games Levis had this last year. I, I mean, know. you saw, you yeah. saw some of that. Does he? Does he have all the physical attributes? Absolutely, and again, the Kentucky offensive line wasn't as good last season as it was in some of the years that he played. But, boy, didn't they have some receivers? You would have thought he could have showed out with some of those young receivers. They they had had some young receivers. Barry and Brown, uh, a kid from Pearl Conn, was good, and they had had a couple of other ones. But it just didn't click last year. You and I saw that. He had a couple of games where he barely threw for 100 yards. Well, I know, and I know there are reasons for that. But to me, uh, for these guys to take the next step, and that's where Bryce Young and some of the other ones have got the advantage. They can process. They can make decisions quicker. They they can extend plays. And even though they're not six four and two thirty, they just got a better head on their shoulders. And I'm not being dropped toward toward the other quarterbacks. Again, right. in the NFL, you've just got to be able to read defenses and make instant decisions. No doubt. You you really do. And it's going to be uh, interesting to see what those teams look at because you would think if I'm an NFL executive, I'm saying, okay, I like Will Levis's arm. I like Kenzie Richardson's arm and his skill set. What did he do? And then you go look at some of those tapes of some of those games in the conference and I don't know how you're going to be kind of turned away by that, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there. All right. um, This new Big 12 commissioner, what do you think about him? uh, Well, first of all, isn't it interesting the last two or three commissioners have had more of a TV background? And, again, you, you and I talked about this. That's where so much of this stuff is going. And in yeah. the last two hires, uh, we've had a couple of callers ask on the show, do you ever hire a former athletic director who may have had some coaching ability? Now it's it's a TV executive. It's so <laughs> key because these TV, these TV packages, you know, in, in, you know, we've seen this week, is the Pac-12 and the ACC going to merge at some point where they can put together a better grant of rights deal. and But what we've discussed this on your show, the biggest problem you've got with the ACC, Andrea Adelson is a good friend of ours. She writes, she's a senior writer for ESPN, and she works very closely with the ACC. They're, they're going to be making 30 per team, 30 uh, less, $30 million less than the SEC, and they're trying to figure out that they come up with they came out with these twenty thirty six uh, grant of rights deal to keep from other conferences from poaching their teams. But what it does is it limits your revenue and particularly your your TV revenue. And that's one of the reasons why some of these commissioners with that, that they're either now like the NCA president, a, a former politician or a TV executive, and I get that because that's going to be such a key because that's where the money's coming from. 
But to me, wouldn't it help for some of these commissioners to know something about commissioning, about being an athletic director, about working with different personalities, uh, et cetera, because that's going to be so important. The There are not many Mike's lines around, and, and he was someone, bless his heart, he actually remembered my name several times at SEC Media Days. I'd see him for the first time in a year, and you say, hey, Brett, how are you doing? Without even looking at my lantern, uh, and there yeah, but that, that's people. that's only because he would see you behind Nick Saban when Saban was well, interviewed at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, that was some of it too. <laughs> but again, the the, the the key to this Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve is uh, what kind of TV deal are we going to come up with to increase the amount of money that we're that we're giving the conference teams because we're going to have more realignment, and it wouldn't surprise me if it happens in the next two or three years. Well, so but when you're the ACC and you know that you've got a couple of people who aren't happy, yep. do you take the approach of, I don't give a damn, let them leave because I'm going to get their TV money for the next four, 13 years? Or, you know what I'm saying? I mean, but, but do you really want unhappy members? Wouldn't it be better for them to come to some conclusion of how they're going to look 10 years from now compared to having a team in their conference that doesn't want to be there? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. They've got to come up with some kind of a compromise with this because, you know, two of your better teams that we keep hearing, we've been asking, well, who's going to win the ACC? And Clemson's still going to be there, but Florida State returns practically. They lead the nation in returning productivity. And there's a good chance Florida State may win 12, 13 games this year. But but Florida State, their president has made it known. He is very unhappy with the current deal that they've got right now. Clemson is not very happy about that. Again, they're the two two at the top. You've got to be able to work with them. But, uh, and again, I know the ACC's working. They hired a firm literally this week to try to enhance – uh, the, the, the TV rights deal, and trying to find some uh, some other avenues, some other revenue streams to make some money. Uh, they're really at kind of a crossroads. They've got, you know, uh, are they going to say, well, go ahead and bitch all you want to. We've got you in the league and you're not going anywhere. But I think they've got to realize that they've got to make some kind of compromise with Florida State and Clemson because they're – Again, they're the bell cows of the league. I, yeah. I just don't think Miami's going to be there for a while. But, yeah, there's no question that they've got to come up with some compromise to make them at least satisfied to, to remain in the league. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because there, you you still feel some instability in this sport uh, with some of these you teams do. that just need to find – I mean, look – Oklahoma and Texas found their home. I think most SEC teams, they're not going to leave. They get the no, big check every year. Not. But it's like, you know, these other teams are going to have to find out what their future is. And uh, you almost think that the trigger is going to be the expansion to want them to get to where they are going to be for that. So we'll yeah. see. We'll, we'll see how it, how it goes moving forward. All right, Brett Beard, don't get kicked out of your new place. It will have to move again. Be careful there. Well, I'm going to try to behave, and, and I'm going to try to behave in Nashville. I'm going up tomorrow. I, I've always thought Friday was the best day of the tournament. You've got the four, the four top seeds, and we keep hearing there are seven now that are locks 
from the SEC, Vandy, who's won eight of their last nine games. They lost the big kid, Liam Cohen, who's about seven feet 250. He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year or the Co-Defensive Player of the Year. But I'm going to try to behave myself in Nashville, Tennessee, while watching some hooks action. Are you going to be behind Nate Oates after they interview him, or are we going to have to look uh, for you tomorrow? I kind of doubt that. I would imagine they're going to get Nate out of there pretty quick. J-Rad wants to know that, uh, wants you to know that Mechie and Williams will not be in Nashville. Uh, J-Rad, thank you for that tip. I, I, will, I will not be looking for that, <laughs> even though Alabama, that would just be more added depth, J-Rad, to the team. <laughs> I don't think I like J-Rad's tone with you, Brad Pierre. You better uh, well, handle him on and Twitter. And, and listen, I keep saying this. I know you've heard this. I still think Mike White is going to do some things. He improved Georgia. He just doesn't have the talent yet. Nah. And it's like you've told people with Dansby, of course, well, we don't have that worked out. Some of the other things, we just don't have patience anymore in sports. But I do think Mike White, I think he, he, he turned around – Certainly turned around this year, and I think George is going to be much yeah. better in two or three years. He's got to go to that portal and get him some players. He does. He does. Like I they agree. all do, that's for sure. All right, Absolutely. Brett, thank you, sir. Always great to talk to you. We appreciate it. Have fun in Nashville. Right, be careful. All right, buddy. Have a great show. All right. Brett Beard, our guest, at Brett Beard, talking a little SEC football and headed to go see his Crimson Tide play in the SEC tournament. We're going to open up the phone lines now, 478-646-ESPN, 646-3776. We can talk NFL football, Falcons fans. What do you think about the options through free agency? How about some Jaguars fans calling up? What do you want to see happen next week for Jacksonville as they try to build that team around Trevor Lawrence and around Trayvon Walker on defense as well? We can talk Braves baseball. Braves with some more good pitching performances. Hawks play tonight. we got plenty to talk about here on this Thursday afternoon. And it's a throw under the bus Thursday. Your chance to throw Jim Beheim under the bus because he's a jerk. Or anybody else in the sports world under, under the bus. Or if you think your boss is not a sports fan and wouldn't be listening, you can call up and throw him under the bus. I don't give a damn. Not going to hurt me. Not going to cost my job. Just kidding. 478-646-3776. We'll take a break. Back with more sports talk right after this. Four twenty-seven. our time. Thanks for listening. Whether you're in Waycross, listening on 98.5 FM, Brunswick, 103.7 FM, Savannah, 104.3 FM, Maybe in Hawkinsville on 98.3 FM. Bet old Lewis Fowler's getting ready for a good old buff way tonight, as he always does on Thursdays at the Steakhouse Restaurant in Hawkinsville. Or in Warner Robins on 105.9 or Macon 93.1. Any of our frequencies, we appreciate you listening. Or online at thesuperstations.com. We appreciate it, and we're happy to take your phone call and talk sports with you. 478-646-ESPN. Mark in Forsyth starts us off. Hello, Mark. Hey, Bill. Um, okay, this this is my this is my general manager thought process going 
going into for the Falcons. I'm okay. actually pretty excited for the Falcons because yeah, I think I think they have a chance now to build a team. So for the first time in I don't know how long, you know, I there's a sense of optimism. But if I'm the GM, I got two players in mind for the draft. Um, okay. I, I do want to get uh, one of those really awesome defensive line guys. Uh, the one out of Philadelphia uh, would be my number one guy. Javon Hargrove. Uh, yes. Um, if, if we could get him. If Will Smith is available at number eight, I jump all over him. I don't know if he's going to be there. Uh, but as crazy talk is going around about, you know, these You mean Nolan Smith? No. You said, uh, you, you said Will, Will Anderson. Smith. Will Anderson. Will Anderson. Yeah, he yeah. won't be available today. But if he's not, uh, Ohio State has an offensive lineman that's like six seven three seventy or something like that. Paris Johnson, Jr. I would love to get him. Okay. Um, and So defensive so, end with a free agency and offensive line with the draft, pretty much. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I, and, I, I, I don't disagree with you. And we, we talked about this yesterday with Brent Rollins from UGASports.com and Pro Football Focus. You know, the, the ability to add a Javon Hargrove, for example, Hargrave, I keep on mispronouncing his name, Hargrave, or not mispronouncing, just mis saying it. Javon Hargrave is 30 years old, defensive tackle, 6'2", 305, and the ability to put someone like that with Grady Jarrett is salivating. I mean, who the heck would have a better duo up there up front on that line of scrimmage than those two? That would be pretty stout. What do you think about trading up from number eight to, say, number six to get Will? Will, Will Will's going to be gone at three. I mean, I, I, Arizona's at three, and I think Arizona is going to take a defensive player. And now, to me, Mark, that Jalen Carter has got a an asterisk by his name, unfortunately. I think Will Anderson's going to be the pick at three for Arizona. I'd be shocked if he doesn't go to Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, but I mean, just Arizona does some crazy picks. I mean, they they bet the farm on Kyler Murray, so I I just yeah, don't. but I'm I'm not moving up to. I think you'd have to. They did, they do, but I I, I still think you'd have to move up to three to get Will Anderson. And I don't think I would do that. I mean, I, look, I, I, again, if you get Hargrave in free agency for your defensive line and then you can get a mid-level defensive end in free agency and then get an offensive lineman. Now, you like Paris Johnson. I like Peter Skaronsky, the kid from Northwestern, who is a versatile player. But either way, I mean, if you get an offensive lineman that first-round pick, you're in business. The lottery next year to me – because there, there's only one quarterback that I'm salivating over coming coming out, and that's Caleb Williams. If the Falcons can build their team this year and move up and get Caleb Williams next year, Atlanta's going to be dangerous. Well, dangerous. they're going to be dangerous with any quarterback if the line of scrimmage is better. If they jerk around and don't do anything about that, which they are. Look, the last time they had cap room, they added line of scrimmage. It, it, this is your chance. This is your shot to make this roster better. When you look at this depth chart, there are two glaring weaknesses. 
and they're both on the line of scrimmage. To me, I mean, you know, we, we can talk about certain positions on this roster. I know they need a safety. They're going to get Jesse Bates. But, again, when you look at that depth chart, and I get it. I know what pro football focus rated that offensive line. But I'm sorry. I don't have confidence in Drew Dahlman. I'm still skeptical. Uh, well, I'm not skeptical. I, they don't have a right, a left guard. They don't have a left guard. So they got to have a left guard. So they're going to have to go find a left guard in free agency. And then Caleb McGarry's a free agent. So you, you've got 60% of your offensive line a question mark. And now some people are going to have not going to have Dahlman as a question mark. They're going to say, look, they believe in this kid. He played 17 games. He started 17 games. He's the guy. It's not Matt Hennessy who the previous regime drafted. Maybe Hennessy can be a swing center guard or something like that, which is what he did. He started a couple of games at guard last year. But uh, Dahlman seems to be their guy. Okay, well then, you know, we're going to see him developed. And yeah, part of me says to trust Arthur Smith on Drew Dahlman. If Drew Dahlman's his guy, he feels like he's got him, he's going to continue to develop him, maybe he can get better. But it still doesn't hide the fact that you need a left guard and with Kayla McGarry, a free agent, you need a right tackle. I mean, that's two of the four, of the five rather, 40%, even if you take Dalman out of the equation, is a concern that you've got to deal with this soft season. And there's no better situation than to do it with cap room and, and plenty of flexibility in the draft. So, look, if Javon Hargrave, who is the best defensive lineman available, if he's the priority next Wednesday – and they get him in the fold, then like I said, there will be plenty of defensive linemen, defensive ends, that they can come back and bring in with Lorenzo Carter. You've got the other kids that they've drafted that we don't really know a whole lot about as far as, all right, are they convinced about some of these kids they've drafted the last few years? Are they convinced about Malone? Are they convinced about... Ebikinte, Ebikite, uh, are they convinced about Ogundiji, the the kid from Notre Dame? You know, those are kind of in the gray area there because they're by no means established veterans, but they are players that obviously were very interesting and 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 have potential. And so uh, we'll find out. Look, they may think that Ogundiji who started – I can't pronounce these names, so forgive me. Um, uh, he started 16 games last last year. Ebikiti started the other game at that position. They may think they're okay right there. And, again, as Russ has said, we are still kind of in the dark when it comes to scheme with Ryan Nielsen, the new defensive coordinator. Now, I, I think I have seen him say, Russ – that he does not expect a big change from what Dean Pease did. I don't know if that answers anything per se. Um, I mean, you want to think that means, okay, he's going to do what Dean Pease did, but uh, I think there's still a little bit of gray area there for me about that. Yeah, I, you know, the Lorenzo Carter, when they re-signed him, uh, it kind of, you know, I think that backs up what was said uh, about not changing a whole lot because – Carter's one of those guys, he'll be called an edge. But, man, if you put him on the end of a four-man line, 
especially in a run situation, or specifically in a run situation, you know, is he really a defensive end? Um, yeah. I, I don't think that he is. So, you know, he, he's an edge guy in a 3-4, or maybe maybe they've got him in there just as a pass rush specialist and they have somebody else in mind, uh, you know, in, in, in running downs to, to play on that end position. But, you know, I, I, again, it's just hard to know. I mean, all we can do is look at what – was done in New Orleans and, and try to guess a little bit, you know, but that, but even that, that, I mean, that's Dennis Allen's defense. He was the one calling the play. So yeah. it right. really is a wild card. Yeah, it is. And, um, Carter was not paid very much, right? Between no. three and four, right? Yeah, it was so two years, $9 million. That kind of told me, Russ, that he's going to be kind of a rotational type player. Mm-hmm. I still could see another defensive end brought in, even on that side, right? Even if they say the other two with the funky names on the other side are, we're going to give them another year, I still think they're going to bring in another one. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. Now, is that the draft or free agency? Well, you know, obviously we'll find out. But I'm with you. I think you're going to see another end uh, come in for sure and probably somebody with a little bit more size than Lorenzo Carter. Well, look, and again, Ogadinshi, how do you pronounce it, Russ? I, I think you're about as close as I can get. Oh. Okay, good. <laughs> I've stayed away from that one. Ogadinshi, O-G-U-N-D-E-J-I, 16 games started last year, and he played and he started 11 games in his rookie season with 16 games played, so he's he's played a lot. He's played a lot, and he was a fifth-round pick now. Um, fifth-round pick out of Notre Dame. So he's he's been given in the two years that he's been on this roster by this front office and coach that, that drafted him, pretty good opportunity here. I don't know what his grades are or how he's graded out. I don't know anything about that. But then you had Arnold Ibikite, who was a second-round pick as an edge rusher, and, you know, he – Played in 16 games last year. I would assume, Russ, that unless there are tremendous red flags in the first two years for Godinchi or the first year for Ibikiti, you got to kind of stick with them and be patient with them a little bit. Those are two guys. I mean, one's a fifth rounder. That's not a high pick. But Ibikiti, they traded to get him, mm-hmm. right, in that second round. So they probably still have some hope that he can really become a, a very significant player for this defense. I would think so. And, I mean, he flashed a little bit. I mean, mostly in preseason. But but still, I mean, I thought he, he looked he looked a part of a pass rusher at times. Now, you know, again, you, you go back to the size with him, and, and that's yeah. why I'm wondering if they're just going to stick with the, a 3-4 base. Um just to kind of, because that's what your skill set is right now. That's the talent that you have, and you know. And every time you ask that question and they downplay it, well, then if it's not that big of a deal, then just stick with what you got, right? And that's because that's what you've been drafting to. So I'm sure they still want to give those guys a look as well, you know. And that's why I think you know, going back to what you talked about, and what Brent talked about with the you know defense in the um, in free agency and offense in the draft, because you know you can go get a veteran in to pair with those guys and then draft your offensive guys uh, in April. Well, and then we, let's not forget about D'Angelo Malone, who was the third-round right. pick, right, Russ? I mean, if you put – especially, like you say, they stick with that 3-4 base, and you've got Carter, Malone, Ogadinji, and Ibikiti on those outside spots, 
That's four guys. And, again, I still say, you know, let me just mention one name. Arden Key was a guy who got brought in by the Jaguars last year. He had a couple of uh, okay seasons for the for the um, 49ers before he went to Jacksonville. You know, you, you could go that way, which I don't think he's going to cost a whole heck of a lot. And then, you know, what about one of those other – veteran guys on the outside that may have a few years on them you know would would you would you want to bring in someone who who has a little a little age on them to be kind of a a mentor for those younger players I mean and and you go back to what Brent Rollins was saying yesterday about maybe a two-year deal Russ I mean that's kind of what you wonder about. Could they get some kind of player like that, maybe for a similar, maybe a tad more than what Carter got, but for a two-year deal, $15 million? Well, that's not going to eat up a whole heck of a lot of your cap room. You go get you know, two guys up front, then one veteran guy on the linebacker core or outside linebacker core, and then a safety like Jesse Bates. That's a hell of an improvement for your defense. Yeah, no, it is. And again, I, it, there's a there's a lot of holes that they have to fill. But when you have this ability with the cap space to go sign two or three guys and then follow it up and, and combine that with some draft picks, I mean, that's why it feels like they can turn this thing around. I mean, this is where it gets tough for Terry Fontenot because you know you can make mistakes in the draft, uh, especially on Saturday. It's it's harder to make mistakes in free agency and get away with it. But if he pushes the right buttons this offseason, they're going to win the NFC South next year. Absolutely. No question. Because I'm not, I'm not terribly fearful of Derek Carr and the New Orleans Saints. They still are in cap hell. I hate to tell them about that. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. 478-646-3776. That's our number. Back with more phone calls and more sports talk on this Thursday afternoon right after this. Oh, yeah. Great song. Journey. That was out quick. Welcome back to our program. Bill and Russ on the radio for you at 446, and our phone number is area code 478-646-3776 talking um a little uh little football all right russ I'm, i mentioned some of these older players and you had said the other day that you thought that bud dupree was possibly a pretty good fit and of course he had the the um time with the titans which means that Arthur, well, no, he was with the Steelers, so mm-hmm. how long has he been with the Titans? Only a couple of years, so no, he probably was not there when Arthur Smith was there, was he? I don't think so, yeah. Um, yeah, probably not. So you've got uh, Laren Floyd, who is going to be available, 31 years old. He's 6'5", 240, nine sacks last year. Khalil Mack, who's more of a linebacker, but eight, eight sacks. He's 32 years old. Jadavion Clowney, an older defensive end. And look, some of these guys are, are, are guys that are not going to get these huge contracts because they've already gotten them. Justin Houston, for example, 6'3", 270, was with the Ravens last year, nine and a half sacks. And of course, uh, another former Georgia Bulldog. 
Uh, Fletcher Cox, more of a defensive tackle, but still, man, like I've said several times, he's still a pretty interesting player to me, but he's 32. Which one of those guys over the age of 30 could you see as a possible fit for Atlanta in that front seven? I think it would be – I would just say like this, the bigger guys uh, for the edge, uh, like Bud Dupree, um, you know, Justin yeah. Houston. I think 6'3", 270 is probably the, the, the low end of where I would feel comfortable uh, because, I, you know, I think with Lorenzo Carter and Ibikiti, uh, you know, they've, they've got sort of the outside linebacker types. I think they need more of, of – you know, just more size on the edge. I was I was just ready to bring up what Ibikiti's size is. He is listed Russ at six three two fifty six, and again he had um, uh, la, 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 two and a half sacks last year, thirty tackles, twenty one solo, and nine assisted tackles, and that was uh, and look he was thirty eighth pick of the draft. I mean again Russ, you got someone who's the thirty eighth pick of the draft. God, we gotta have some patience with some of these young players, don't mm-hmm. we? I mean, they they tried to have patience with Isaiah Oliver. Uh, Dean Pete's tried to have patience with with uh, uh, Grant, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he tried his best, and I still don't know if we know one way or the other on Richie Grant, but he's still there. But he was a second round pick in twenty twenty one, so I mean, I guess we can still say, all right, you bring Bates in and let what Hawkins and Grant ballot out possibly yeah i yeah i think that's I, I, that's kind of the thought process there and because i think uh, you know with hawkins and grant in a competition i think you would feel good about the winner of that competition uh especially with Bates on the other side and you have to remember too it's going to be a little bit easier on the secondary if they actually have a pass rush in front of them for once which we haven't had mm-hmm. for two years so i think that could help as well well with all due respect to Quan graham who got hurt, and Abdullah Anderson, who's kind of a floater as far as being around the NFL a little bit, that's not who you want up front with Grady Jarrett. And Timmy Horn, whoever the heck he is really, Russ, got five starts last year for this team. That That's what you got to improve. And does someone like Ryan Nielsen say, okay, uh, and Jerry Gray, the other defensive coach they brought in, all right, look, our guys, like we were talking about, D'Angelo Malone, Ogadunji, Ibikiti, uh, they may be better if we have Javon Hargrave and Grady Jarrett up there together with maybe that guy from New Orleans, right? I mean, that, that are they curious about that, perhaps? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, guys are going to get better with talent you know, when, you, when you can get more talent around them, you know? it's it, And, like – you know, you're reading off some of the sack numbers for those other guys, and, and that's – I don't want to say it's a byproduct of what somebody else is doing, but, you know, who's drawing the double teams and who's getting the one-on-one matchups? And and so the idea would be – and now it's going to put pressure on the younger players, but assuming Hargrove and, and Jared are the first two guys you're going to try to, you know, take out in pass protection, that's going to leave the, the Ibikides of the world one-on-one, and you've got to win that matchup. And, that, and if you're able to do that, you know, you're going to have 10 or 15 sacks in a season. Sure, absolutely. Very possible. Very possible. So, anyway, it, it's fun to try to put ourselves in the shoes of these executives and of, of what they've got to be thinking. I mean, I, I would, again, believe that Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot are continuing to have discussions on what the best 
way forward is and who to target and who to go after and who to look at. Um, again, it, it is exciting as hell to me to think about a Falcons world that has someone significantly better next to Grady Jarrett. I mean, you go back and look at his years in Atlanta. Who has he had? I mean, the last two years he's had Taquan Graham, which is not – I mean, he's not like he's a bad player. Tyler Davison also came from New Orleans. He he was more of a run stopper, had no real pass rushing ability. And Tyler Davison was there for, for a couple of years. Um, Jack Crawford, remember he was, what, from Dallas, I believe, Russ? Mm-hmm. And that was when they had Tack McKinley and Vic Beasley on the end, but they brought in Alan Bailey and Adrian Claiborne, a couple of veterans who got some playing time. They were hoping that DeAndre Sinet would finally kind of break through, and he never really did. I mean, we, we need to get away from the Jack Crawfords and Taquan Grahams and get a real deal kick-ass football player up there. And then you go back even further than that, Russ, and that's when you talk about when they tried to pair Rashid Hageman next to Grady. And it just hadn't worked. No. it, it Well, and that's where, you know, all those guys to not um, – th- those guys you're missing, It's it, there's a pattern, you see, where it's like miss on the draft pick, miss on the draft pick, have to supplement with free agency, but you can't overspend because you all your money's tied up in Freeman, Julio, and, and Matt Ryan. And that's how – that's why you've got to be able to have success in the draft because you're going to have to pay these guys eventually. And, and you know, with Hargrove possibly hitting the free agent market, we're already seeing that in Philadelphia because they know what's coming down the pike if they want to keep Jalen Hurts. So they've went mm-hmm. ahead and, and, and got in front of it and drafted Jordan Davis last year. That's a well-run organization. You know, I, and, and so with Terry Fontenot, if he, we, and we're getting to the point where we're going to start really finding out about these draft picks. If he's hit on these draft picks – you know, you're, the Falcons are going to be in good shape for the next two or three years, and and if he can keep that kind of that cycle spinning, I mean, there'll be downturns and upticks, but you know, you you can build a that's how you build a consistent winner. You have to have success in the draft. You, I mean, you can't you you can't mess that up and be a good football team. Another outside linebacker may be on the move. Russ, Minnesota outside linebacker. Zadarius Smith has told the Vikings he wants to be released, and he's been a pretty good player for the Vikings. He's 30 uh, – he'll be 31 at the beginning of the season, and uh, just looking to see what his sack numbers were. Yeah, I thought so. Ten sacks last year, and he wants out. Another name to keep in mind. 478-646-3776. That's our number. We'd love to talk sports with you. Give us a call as we continue here on The Bill Shanks Show.